Last week, we set the foundation for the entire book of Colossians. So if you miss, you want to make sure to go on and check it out. So this series we're calling is called Greater. Somebody say Greater. So as we're going through the book of Colossians, Paul and Timothy, the writers, they are writing to uh, this church that's being pressured by paganism and the ideas of culture and false teaching and religion. And Paul writes to this church and his central theme to this church is, hey guys, we just want you to know that above all temptations, above everything that you're being bombarded with by the world around you, that God is greater. How many of you would agree with Paul and Timothy and say, yeah, we know God's greater. Say a good amen in the house today. So in our 21st century that we're living in today, how many of you know that there are a lot of the same things that we are struggling with today, just like the church in Colossae? You know, we too are living in a culture that is competing for the affections of our heart. And I wonder what the Holy Spirit wants to say to us today uh, through uh, this block of scripture we're going to be looking at. Last week, we talked about greater hope, and uh, Paul was in prison, and him and Timothy gathered together, and they wrote while they were in Rome uh, to a young man named Epaphras. He was the church planner of this church in Colossae, and he wrote some things to them, and so... When we think about uh, Paul's situation, when he receives this difficult news about this church, how many ever got difficult news about somebody before? He receives this difficult news, but he's in prison. So there's not a lot of options for him here to go and help out young Epaphras. And so he does the two things that he could only do. One, he gets with Timothy and they write a letter and he does a second thing. Let's check out what this second thing is. If you would open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1, we're going to be looking at verse 9 through verse 14, Colossians 1, 9 through 14, and it will be up on the screen as we read it. We'll start reading at verse number 9. And here's, here's what he says. Here's what they say. They say this, so we've written to you, but also we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. Paul turns to the only other option he has for this church to write him a letter of instruction and encouragement, but the only other option he has is to pray for them. Today, we're calling the message Greater Prayer. How many know that we ought to have greater amounts of prayer in our life? I want to ask you a question. Have you ever been in a situation or dealt with something that was seemingly impossible? Or maybe you had to counsel somebody who was going through something extremely difficult. So today, we're going to learn from Paul and Timothy because they knew exactly how we feel, but they also knew exactly what to do. So they began to pray, and their prayer efforts were not their last resort. It stood parallel to the work that they were doing for this church. Their work was to write but also their work was to pray. And in all that we do, no matter what kind of work we're doing, it should be accompanied and paralleled with prayer. Yeah. Prayer was where everything takes place. I want to remind you today as we get ready to really dive into the message to pray yourself. 
as we prepare our hearts. And I want you to expect today that God's going to speak to you. And I want you, as you're taking notes, when something stands out to you, maybe it's just one phrase out of everything that's said today, that you circle it, that you underline it, that you highlight it. Because I want you to know that when something jumps out of the pages to you, that's usually the Holy Spirit drawing your attention to something. And that's God's way of speaking something into your heart. And it's amazing as we've been helping people to understand what it sounds like when God speaks to them and what it feels like, the amount of people that walk away from services in this church and in their daily life saying, man, God speaks to me. And I want you to know that God is real and he's a God who speaks and he could speak to you today if we open our hearts. Let's pray. Father, we love you today and we thank you for who you are. God, today we don't even sit before your word to read or sit before your word to listen or to even preach as a pastor without praying. God, because we know that without your help, all of our efforts are, are worth nothing. But God, today we pray that you would accompany your Holy Spirits with our effort today to sit and listen and worship and be before you today. And we trust that you're going to speak to us in Jesus' awesome name. Somebody say an, a big amen. Amen. So the writers know that prayer changes everything, and it's so interesting, but the writers don't say a little Christian prayer in secret. It's really quiet. They pray a bold prayer, and in fact, they write out their prayer so that everybody could see what they're praying. I think that as believers that, that yes, we should have some quiet prayers, But I also think as believers, we should have prayers that we make known to our friends and family and to the world around us so they can hear the heart of God. When they say we have not stopped praying for you, what are they saying? They're saying we don't depend only on this letter that we're sending you. We're fully dependent upon God. They know this about their mission for God. They know this, that They are partnered with God to do something great for this church. And I want you to know today that you too are partnered with God to do something great in his kingdom. We are never alone in our mission for him, that God is always with us. And here's what we know about this, that that it is never all God and it is never all us. Because God is looking for a man or woman to work through. Oh, he's strong enough to do it on his own, but he chooses to work with you and I. And so he partners with you and I in mission to reach the people around us. What does Paul and Timothy pray for this church? Let's take a look at it in verse 1-9. We'll be looking at the latter part of the verse, verse B. Here's what they say. They say this. They say, we ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. In your notes, Paul is saying this. My prayer for you is a prayer of knowledge. A prayer of knowledge. See, the church obviously did not understand the will of God for the entirety of their life. No doubt they understood the will of God for their salvation and for some pieces. But this new baby church that was only five years old didn't have a full understanding of God's will for their life. And because of that, as we learned last week, they were in danger of mixing the philosophies of the world, mixing religion, mixing paganism into their relationship with God. So Paul prays for them and says, I pray that God would give you knowledge. 
so that you know what to do and know what not to do as a believer, as somebody who's partnered with God. He's saying, I want you to be fully aware of the things you're involving your life in. Things like entertainment and things like the world around you and things like the things that you're participating in the culture and the things that you're supporting. Paul is saying, hey, I want you to be knowledgeable and fully aware of what you're engaging with. He wants him to be aware of how he desires um, people in the kingdom of God and how God desires people to do things like finances. Be fully aware of how you're doing your finances. Be fully aware of, of how you're walking in this life in terms of your sexual identity, in terms of sexual fulfillment, because there were so many ways in this culture for these people to be fulfilled sexually, and they were going all of the wrong direction. And God says, hey, I want to redirect you, and I want you to have full knowledge of how you're going to be fulfilled in Christ. Because they were not walking the ways of God's will. They were steering off another direction. Here's what I know, as I know this, that sometimes we lack knowledge for the situations we find ourselves in. And today, as we look at the modern church, I see that there's a need for knowledge in the modern church today. See, from where we're sitting as we're reading this letter, mixture seems so obvious as we read and we know who Christ is and, and we see their involvement in paganism and philosophy and, and astronomy and, and all these different world religions and they're mixing all of that in their relationship with Jesus. It seems so obvious today, but it wasn't obvious for them. And I think sometimes today for you and I, the things that we're involved with are not all that obvious to us. And so Paul says, I pray that you have greater wisdom uh, and greater knowledge. Knowledge speaks of this. It speaks to our ability to know right from wrong. It's just really simple. But here's what it does not do. It does not empower you to do right from wrong. It just gives you the information to know what is right and what is wrong. And, and here's the truth about these believers. And here's the truth about us. And especially when people are new in their faith, they don't have full understanding yet. Many people have the knowledge of what to do, but they simply don't do it. And they struggle and limp along in life, just like this church was struggling and limping along. Maybe they don't do it. Maybe they just think that there's a better way, and they just simply outright disobey it. Or maybe they outright ignore it or choose to ignore God. God. And so Paul is saying, hey, I pray for greater wisdom. And not only do I pray for wisdom, excuse me, not wisdom, knowledge. Not only do I pray for knowledge, but I also pray that God would give you wisdom and understanding. Wisdom speaks to the application of what you know. And wisdom is like the empowerment for you to actually step out and follow what you have been taught. How many of you could use a little bit of knowledge in this house would admit today? I could, there's some difficult situations that, that we've got to navigate in this life. I could use some knowledge. But not only do I need knowledge, I need the wisdom to walk it out and do things God's way. It's funny, but it's really obvious that many people in this church were blind to the ways of God. So Paul comes to pray for them. And the question for us today, is there anything that you might be blind to? And here's the problem with blindness. We all to that question would say, I don't know. Because you're blind. That's the problem with blindness. We can't see. We have no idea where we're missing the mark. We don't know what knowledge we're missing. We, we are, we're completely unaware and so this is why the writer Epaphras, or this is why Epaphras, the church planner, 
ran to Paul because he needed some wisdom. He needed some people in his life to speak into his, his leadership, into how he was leading this church. And Paul spoke into his leadership. And, and when you have somebody speak into your life, they can speak into your blind spots and they can help you to see things that you don't see on your own. And so this was a beautiful relationship. And so perhaps there's somebody you know, or perhaps maybe it's even you. And maybe you've tried all the books you know how to read and all the podcasts out there, and you've, you've done everything you know to do and listen to your favorite YouTuber and your favorite blogger. And the Holy Spirit, I think, is saying to us today, friend, how about turn to me? How about turn to prayer? How about turn to knowledge? How about seek my wisdom How about lean on me? How about turn to some advisors that can speak into your blind spots? And I believe God is telling us today through the scripture that God will faithfully answer us and he will do amazing things in our life when we turn to him. Let's continue to read verse number 10. And and here's what's really cool. There's, There's kind of a promise attached to us listening to the knowledge of God and walking it out. And here's this promise. The writers go on and they say, then, so After you have received knowledge and after you apply it through wisdom and understanding, then the way you live will always, somebody say always, honor and please the Lord. What is he saying? He's saying that whenever you do the right thing and obey, you will always walk in obedience and you will be pleasing to the Lord. How many of you want to honor the Lord with your life? I don't know about you, but I do. And it's not that complicated. It just happens through, through slowing our life down, listening to God, listening to those he's surrounded and put, put in our life to speak wisdom into us, and then walking it out in obedience. And here's the truth. We cannot control the outcome after we've done and said what God has asked us to do. So we can't be so focused on the results per se, but we can be focused on doing the right thing. And I think sometimes we, we try to push our way into situations because we are trying to force the result that we want or force the result that we think God wants. And God says, hey, I just want you to walk in my knowledge and I want you to speak out in my wisdom and you are going to be honorable and pleasing to me. Leave the results up to me. Let me do the transforming. Let me mold the heart. Let me convict and convince the heart of righteousness and where people are falling short. Let me convince you, but just do the right right thing because I'm really good at what I do. And in verse 10, he goes on and he says this, when you honor and please the Lord, you're going to know it because of this towards the latter part of verse 10, because your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. What is Paul saying in your notes? He's saying this. He's saying that when you apply knowledge and you walk it out in wisdom and you do the right thing and you are honorable and pleasing to the Lord, you can expect some things in your life. You can expect greater fruit. That's what you can expect. How many of you want greater results out of your life? I do. I want greater effect out of my life as I'm, as I'm parenting my daughter. I want the words that I say when I speak into her life to mold and shape her heart. How many of you parents want to see that happen? I want when I'm engaging with my wife and we're walking life together and we're walking through a difficult situations. I want that when we're sharing and talking that when she speaks to me that my heart is being molded and, and her heart is being molded and we're able to walk in, hum- in, in harmony. How many would like God to 
to, to, to do more fruit in your life and your marriage. Amen. How many would say that in my employment or my relationship with my friends and family, I want, I want there to be more fruit, more fruits. And so Paul gives them vision for what their life could look like if they walk in wisdom and knowledge. And he says, just expect greater fruit from your life. So I think if we want to see greater fruit in our life, we need to have greater prayer. Galatians tells us what this fruit looks like in Galatians 5.22. He says, the Holy Spirit will produce all kinds of amazing things in you. You will find yourself being more loving. You will be more full of joy. You'll be more full of peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. How many could, come on, don't lie in church. How many could use a little bit of that in your life? And it happens through prayer. Thank God we don't have to live a life of fruitlessness. Thank God that he gives us a guarantee in his word that when we walk in his ways, we will have a fruitful life. Paul finishes off verse 10 with more vision. And he goes on and he says this, when you walk in knowledge and understanding, you can expect fruit and you can also expect this. He says, all the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. Yeah. What is he saying? I believe in your notes, he's saying you can expect greater familiarity in your relationship with God. You will be more familiar with God and more familiar with his ways, more familiar with what his voice sounds like in any given situation. And you will begin to speak with the same tone as God when you engage with your family and your friends and your loved one and the culture around you. You will begin to engage with the, the same heart that God would engage the culture with, with the same boldness and truth that God would engage the world with, with the same grace that he would, because you're familiar with God's ways. How many of you want to be more familiar with God's ways? Paul and Timothy's solution to this church is caught up in mixture and he comes to them and he writes this letter and he, and he gives some instruction, but he also does one thing that, that the only other thing that he has for them because he's locked up in Rome, that he prays for them. And what does he pray for them? He prays a prayer of knowledge over them. How many of you today would say, man, I could use God's knowledge in my life. What else does he pray for them? Let's read verse 11 to see what else he prays. He says this. He says, we also pray that you will be strengthened, somebody say strengthened, with all of his glory and power so that you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy. In your notes, Paul is saying this, my prayer for you is a prayer for strength. Not only am I praying knowledge into your life, but I'm praying that God will strengthen you. This, this young five-year-old church that's struggling, a lot of immature believers, they're being, they're being pulled on from every side, every philosophy, every, every idea about religion. They're being pulled every which way. And God says, I pray that you will be strengthened. So that as you're pulled and tugged on, you won't topple over. But you'll have a strong, firm foundation in Christ. Many in this church were spiritually weak. They were young in the faith. I wonder if God might be saying to us today, it's time for some strengthening, church, because too many of you are being pulled to the left and pulled to the right, and, and you're almost toppled over. You're almost toppled over emotionally. You've had all that you can have. You've, you, you, you can't stand anymore, and you're about ready to break, and God says, hey, just pray the prayer of strength, because 
I will bolster you and I will strengthen you in your struggle. So many of them in that day, they were worn out on all of the mixture. And I think many people today are worn out on all of the evils and mixture that they notice and see in the church community. And you don't have to look very far. You don't have to scroll very far. You don't have to go too far on Instagram to see it. It is everywhere and it is all over. Wherever you find people, you will find sin. I think these people were also worn out in us today for sure on the pressures of politics and the cultural hot topic buttons of the day. That's not a new thing. The cultural hot topics have always been there. It's just a new topic. And the writer says, I will strengthen you with power. And because of this power, you don't have to lose hope. You can stand firm. You don't have to give up loving those who are different from you. You don't have to throw in the towel. You can hang on and you can hold on and you can keep sharing your faith, sharing the grace of God and standing firm. You won't wear out before it's your time to wear out. I know so many people, and I've been there before, you get so, we get so worn out on the culture around us and the struggles that we face in life that we say things like, I just want Jesus to come back. I, I just, I'm done. I, I have no more strength to deal with this insanity, to deal with this craziness. And no matter what your insanity is or your craziness is, you're ready to throw in the towel. And Paul says this, and I believe the Holy Spirit is saying this today, that I can strengthen you. And I can make sure that you're standing on a firm foundation, that your hope isn't in all of the wrong things, but your hope is in one thing, Jesus. That's it. And he gives us some vision for our life as we continue on in, in in this verse. He says in 11b, he says this. He says, when you're strengthened with power, you're gonna have all the endurance and patience you need. He's saying you can expect greater endurance in your notes, greater endurance. Paul gives them vision for their life of what it can look like if they are strengthened with the power of God. Imagine yourself waking up tomorrow just having a new type of energy about you, that you are not worn out, that you are not stretched too thin, that you're not almost pulled apart. But in fact, no, you are, you're feeling strong. You're, you're feeling strength and you're going, I can go on a lot longer it is, I'm strong. I feel good. I feel strength inside of me. Imagine yourself finishing well rather than stumbling before the finish line and quitting. Imagine God picking you up and bolstering you in that, in that weakness, in that struggle and going, hey, you've got more in you because I'm in you. Not because you're great, but because I have put my strength and my power in you. Imagine your life in the past where you, you've given up before, But today and tomorrow and next week and this month, you're not going to give up because you're strengthened with the endurance of God. Paul continues in verse 11 as he's given the vision. He says, expect greater endurance when God's strength and power hits you. And also expect this in your notes. He says this in verse 11c. He says, may you be filled with joy. Paul is saying, not only are you going to feel strong and you're just going to be able to get through it, but he says, in your notes, he says, expect greater enjoyment. You're actually going to enjoy the life that God has given you. And, And I didn't feel this when I was writing the message, but I feel it right now. 
I feel the Holy Spirit saying to some people right now, you haven't been enjoying your life. It's been a struggle for you. And there have been a lot of miserable days. And I feel the Lord saying to some people in this room that it's my promise to you as you pray for strength and you surround yourself with other believers that are going to pray strength over you, that God will empower you with his spirit and you will have a new endurance about you. And you won't just have strength to get up and do it, but you will enjoy your life. This word joy is not about just a feeling. In fact, it's about doing something. This word joy, uh, the root word of this joy is about the word rejoicing. It's not about just feeling. You could say, I have joy, but you got to rejoice. So rejoicing requires you to open your mouth and say, God is good. Open your mouth and say, what a great day. I'm so glad that God's given me another day to stand above ground today. What a great day. I'm so glad that God has given me enough money in my bank to pay my mortgage or to pay my rent today. What a great day today that God has put food on the table and I'm not hungry today. I have actually something to eat. What a great day that today I'm not lonely. I have at least one friend in my uh, maybe two, or maybe a whole church that is willing to love me and surround me. What a great day. That, my friend, only comes when God strengthens you with power. We don't do stuff like that on our own. And he strengthens and bolsters us and gives us endurance and greater enjoyment. I think Paul is saying, hey, imagine what your life could look like while you're grinding life out with endurance, all while having greater enjoyment. How many of you can use some strengthening in this house today? Would you just raise your hand and say, yeah, I could use some strengthening. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. I can use some strengthening. Paul is saying to this church that's caught up in mixture. He's saying, I've got a solution for you guys. And my solution for you is prayer. And what does Paul pray for this church? He prays that they would receive knowledge. He prays that they would receive strength. And he closes out this segment of the letter with some instruction. In your notes, he gives them a word of instruction. We see this in verse 12. What does Paul instruct them with? Here's what he says. He says, as you're filled with joy, Colossians 12 says this, always thanking the Father. He says, I'm always thanking the Father for you. I think by example, as he's praying and thanking the Father, he's telling them something. He's saying, you ought to always be thankful in all things. As we read between the lines in your notes, he's instructing them, be thankful. I think thankfulness is one of our greatest tools of reminding us of what we have in Christ. And I, and I love uh, last year during the Thanksgiving time, Pastor, Pastor Tata, Pastor Mike taught us something about being thankful. He, he showed us this little method. He called it the ABCs of Thanksgiving. Anybody remember that? And what you do in the ABCs of Thanksgiving is you write out the alphabet, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, okay? You write it all out. And then for every letter of the alphabet, you think of one, two, three, five, ten things that you're thankful for for the letter A. And so you write things like acceptance, 
in Christ and an affirmation and, and you write things like avocados, you know, it could be like spiritual things and then natural things. And then for the B, you write out things like, God, I thank you for blessings in Christ. And I thank you that I belong to a great family of God. And I thank you for burritos. And then you, then for the letter C, you say things like, God, I thank you for community. And I thank you for conviction. And I thank you for the church. I thank you for the cross. And I thank you for, what's your favorite seafood? Crawfish. I thank you for crawfish. That probably wouldn't be on my list. And you will find yourself being thankful in all situations. So it wasn't just prayer, but it was taking prayer and making yourself active as a believer and engaging in thankfulness. And we, we continue to read here, thankfulness leads us somewhere in verse 1 and 12. It, it goes on, it says, always be thankful. And it says, because he has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the lights. Remember earlier when we read last week, he opens a letter reminding them that by the grace and peace of God, they are in Christ. They are, have a relationship with Jesus. And, and in these instructions that he's given them, I believe that not only is he saying be thankful, but I think he's also saying be aware. Be aware of what? Be aware of the great inheritance you have as a believer in Jesus. The great inheritance we have in Christ. He's saying there is a new way to walk through this world and it is unlocked through a heart of thankfulness and a heart of recognizing and being aware of what you have in me. See, most believers in life, and I believe the church in Colossae, they, they, they forget I'm telling you, I can be very forgetful and I can walk through my days and forget that, that God overwhelmingly loves me. I can forget that God overwhelmingly has a way that he desires for me to live. And I can forget that, that God is wanting to empower me to speak the truth into all situations and speak his grace into all situations and be a person that is on mission for him. And I can forget easily, especially when I feel anxiety in this world. And, and especially when I get distracted by all of the troubles in this life. And God says, hey, I want, Sean, be aware that I have equipped you to walk through everything in this life. I love what, um, what Paul says in Ephesians 1 and 3. He says this, he says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every, somebody say every, did he bless you with some or just a couple things? With every spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms. Paul is saying, I want you to know that you have everything you need in Christ to walk the life that God has given you. He has put you in a specific time, in a specific generation, for a specific reason, into a specific family, with specific parents, or specific guardians, or specific adopted parents, because he is going to do something great with your life, and he has equipped you to do so. How many of you could be more aware of the inheritance that you've received? How many of you could be more aware of the things that we should be thankful, thankful for on a daily basis? Today, we're talking about greater prayer. And Paul prays a prayer over this church, and he instructs this church, and he closes it out with a final reminder in verses 13 and 14. And what does he say? 
He says, for he, God, has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. He's saying to the struggling church that some of us would question their salvation because of so much mixture therein. And Paul and Timothy remind them, you, you have been, been rescued from the kingdom of darkness. You have been saved and separated from the punishment of sin, and you have been transferred into the kingdom of God. Start acting like the sons and daughters that you really are, because God purchased a great price for your freedom, and he forgave all of your sin. Stop living like a slave in obedience to your old life, to the sinful life that you lived, but walk in obedience as a son and daughter of God. Paul closes it out with speaking their identity in Christ to them. I believe that that he was saying that it's not okay to worship other gods. You're no longer in darkness. You no longer have to reach out to find fulfillment and other things. You can find all the fulfillment you need in me. I believe that he's saying, you no longer, because the religious people were all up in this church trying to get these guys to buy and maintain their salvation through rules and rituals and laws. And Paul comes and says, hey, I want to remind you, stop leaning on rules and rituals and laws. And there are some rituals that we all participate in. And rituals are not bad. As long as we're not leaning on those rituals for our salvation, as long as we're not doing those rituals, we come to church every Sunday. That could be considered a ritual, but we do it to honor God, to love God, to be surrounded by his family, to be in the community of believers, to remind ourselves of the cross. But he's saying, make sure that you don't do those things to try to maintain and earn your salvation. He's saying, I've given you freedom and it was purchased on the cross. How many know that God is greater than anything we ever face in life? And I'm telling you today, I've been serving Jesus since I was 18 years old. I am 47. So sad. I'm definitely at the age where I forget how old I am. I am 47 years old. And can I tell you one of the the number one difficult things in my life as a believer is to maintain a faithful prayer life. And I think Paul is coming to this church and he's coming to us today and he's reminding us You can show up to church every Sunday as much as you want. You can read and quote all the scriptures that you want. Those are all good things. You should do those things. And you should should work hard as a believer. You should step out into your calling and into your mission and, and give your blood, sweat, and tears to it. But parallel with it, you should never do any of it without prayer. Because it's only in prayer as you're walking your mission out and living in this life that you will have the wisdom you need to speak into the situations that you find yourself in, that you will have the strength that you need to stand up when you're experiencing resistance and when you're feeling temptation and when you're struggling. Because without prayer and without God accompanying you in this way, you recognizing him in your life, you will be wayward, you will struggle, you will be without wisdom. You may know the things that you need to do, but you will lack the power to do them.